You're listening to Community Radio for the Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, May 13th. Lake of the Ozarks may be done with winter weather, but severe forecasts are still in the cards. Today's expected to see temperatures in the mid-80s to low 90s, with a chance of severe storms later in the day. Forecasters say the lake area is only at a slight risk of seeing severe storms, but if they move into the area, we could see quarter-sized hail, damaging wind gusts of more than 60 miles per hour, and the risk of localized flooding. In a welcome update for many Lake of the Ozarks residents, construction on the Lake Ozark Aldi has finally begun. The news of construction was announced on the City of Lake Ozark's Facebook page, and with cold weather and spring rains behind us, construction is expected to continue at a quick pace. The exact open date for the new store is unknown, but representatives for Aldi say they expect the Lake Ozark store to open this year. Authorities are advising citizens to avoid an active landslide on Wilbus Drive in Sunrise Beach. The landslide was reported by a resident in the area who was concerned about cracking they observed on an asphalt road. It was determined the cracking was caused by an active landslide in an area that sets above two duplexes. Sunrise Beach Fire Protection District is monitoring the slide. Although the road is still open to the public, it's recommended that people stay out of the area if possible. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. How about those St. Louis Blues? They win their first round playoff series in six games, beating Minnesota last night to put the Wild away. The Blues winning the final two games of the series to advance. Next up for the Blues, number one seed Colorado in the next round. That is going to be a tough one as well. As for uh, college softball, the uh, Mizzou ladies and MSU ladies into the conference tournament. The Mizzou ladies with a big upset win over second seed Alabama yesterday. So they will play again this afternoon in the semifinal round against Tennessee. The Mizzou ladies are 35-19 and 19 on the season now. As for the MSU Lady Bears, they're 25-18. and 18. They will play in the Valley Tournament semifinals this afternoon. That game gets started about 1.30 in Springfield. Mizzou Baseball, 25-20 and 20 on the season. They've got a three-game series at home against Florida this weekend. MSU Bears, 22-23. They've got a three-game series at home this weekend against 
against Illinois State. As for the big boys, Cardinals and Royals busy today. The Cardinals open up a series at home against the Giants, and the Royals open up a series on the road against Colorado. Hey, believe it or not, NFL is gearing up for the new season. The draft is in the books. Now they're getting ready for the OTAs, the organized team activities. Those are what they call the off-season workouts in the NFL. So the first workouts for the Chiefs will be on May 25th and 26th. So that's coming up here uh, in not too long a time. Hey, remember, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's freaking hilarious. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course the annual Lake of the Ozark shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. Lake of the Ozarks Community Radio Station. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. And good morning, 807. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another beautiful day at the lake. Uh, Not quite as warm today. They are talking possibly 90 degrees in and around the lake area. We might see upper 80s, but uh, certainly the... uh, The heat that we have been experiencing, not quite as bad today, but you still need to take care of yourself if you're headed outdoors. Make sure you stay hydrated. Partly cloudy 
Afternoon showers or thunderstorms possible, and there is, again, potential for some severe thunderstorms. You heard Stacy Johnson mention that in our news with uh, LakeExpo.com. Uh, the potential is there, a slight chance. Uh, looks like as this cold front continues to progress, it's a weak cold front, that uh, it could trigger some activity to the west of the uh, Tri-County region. And if it does, that might uh, be some severe weather, the severe weather that they're talking about. But uh, still a good idea to be ready for it. Uh, it could uh, reactivate as it pushes through a little bit later on the uh, evening or into tonight. Scattered thunderstorms early, then mainly cloudy overnight with thunderstorms likely. Uh, potential, again, for some severe thunderstorms. Overnight low of 64. Then as we get into the weekend, we'll uh, get the rain out of here. Well, on Saturday anyway, and most of Sunday. Partly cloudy tomorrow, a high of 86, a low 60. 80 the high on Sunday with some Showers and thunderstorms possible in the afternoon and evening on Sunday with a low of 56. Back up to 77 on Monday with a mostly sunny sky and a low of 57. Morning showers and thunderstorms possible both Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday's high of 76, Wednesday's high of 84. And then, of course, we look ahead to the weekend where we're getting back into the upper 80s, 90-degree weather, and on down the line. But uh, as I always like to say, we're not there yet, so don't worry about it. 73 degrees is where we are in Osage Beach, broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors, home to the Mile Marker Formula. And again, you want to check that out with a uh, a phone call to the folks here or uh, jump on their, their website. They'd love to uh, tell you more about it. And get you uh, get you all excited because it is something that is very fascinating. Eight oh nine is our time, and let's get right to our first guest this morning. That would be none other than Bev Allen with Concerned Women for America of Missouri. She is joining us uh, and live, I might add, in Jefferson City, where she's been for the last couple of days. Bev, how are you this morning? Eight thirty, nine o'clock, and and Kayla Browden, um, the floor leader, stood up and adjourned um, for the year, and that took us um, kind of by surprise, uh, for me anyway. I'm sitting in the gallery, and they had just passed the congressional map, and um, so there you have it. Um, so there are left many things of the priority list, quote unquote, of the Republicans in the in the Senate left undone, and they could have been done today. So there you have it. Yeah, I know that. Uh, <laughs> I know that you probably weren't really excited about the way things ended, and I thought the legislative session actually ended on Friday at the end of the day, but uh, apparently not. Uh, they uh, they seemingly uh, adjourned a little early. You know, for some folks anyway. You'd like to see them maybe fight it out right down to the wire on some of these things. Uh, you mentioned the well, early. This just shows. You know, um, the the poor leadership in the in the state senate they they melted down le- even earlier last year mm-hmm. in the in the senate um, so um, yes yeah, so I'm going to um, eight thirty nine o'clock on Thursday is an improvement um, and um, so I can just um, tell everybody in your listening audience that um, the battle is you know continues August is the election so everybody needs to not only vote for the most conservative 
Republican on the ticket in their area in August, but maybe even um, learn about those candidates early and get behind one of those candidates by you know knocking doors, making phone calls, telling your friends, holding a meet and greet. Um, um, still, whatever we do um, today to get good people elected is so much um, less than the sacrifice that their founding fathers and mothers had to make. Um, so, um, you know, we're comfortable, um, but we have to get a little uncomfortable and get out and do um, some things to save our republic because we're on the edge here. And we've seen the games played at the state capitol, and, um, and it's only going to get worse if the people don't get in there and get better people elected. So some things that uh, we're looking at here. Um, yes, on the election reform bill. No, on uh, the PYMOA. No internet uh, provider reform. No, on Born Alive Abortion Survivor Protection Act. A ban on ordering abortion drugs through the mail without uh, a doctor's visit. No, on Save Women's Sports Act. Ban on biological males competing in female sports. And no, on uh, the language prohibiting CRT divisive curriculum uh my lord there are a lot of things that uh, i know we've talked about here and uh it just doesn't really seem like uh, they they really went to bat uh, for uh folks in the state uh, like they should have and certainly with uh, what we've been uh, talking about uh, here the last few months you would think that uh, maybe some of this would uh, have have made it across the finish line Oh, yes, because the Republicans are the pro-life uh, party, and they have used um, you know, the, <clears throat> these issues. Uh, and I think many of the rank-and-file senators and representatives um, do really want to do something, but the leadership can stand in the way. So, yeah, the parents' rights in education and the medical um, information decisions for their children um, are left-hanging. And, of course, the um, biological male and the CRT and IP reform, the IP reform really needed to be made this year because, um, you know, people are starting to realize now that um, outside interests are coming in and making changes to our state constitution through the initiative petition process. They have the money to get the votes, uh, to get the um, signatures um, gathered. And just last week, the signatures and the signatures were turned into the Secretary of State's office to put the ranked choice voting on the ballot. And, of course, this ranked choice voting is really um, a non-primary um, contest, if you will. So in August, well, of course, it won't happen. And um, after, if ranked choice voting would pass, then the August primary would no longer be a primary. All the individuals who want to run for an office, regardless of their party, would be put on one list. Mm -hmm. And people would go in and vote for them and rank them by their preference. So this really favors Democrats because there's a lot more Republican candidates running than there are Democrats running. So the Republicans would um, divide the vote uh, drastically, and then the moderate Republicans would have a favor over the conservative Republicans because the conservative Republicans don't run that often because we have lives and we have businesses and we have families and we have other responsibilities in our home. We don't want to go to the state capitol or to the... Um, um, to the chambers there in the city hall. Um, so we are going to have to start stepping up to the plate. But anyway, so we have, um, so because the Senate adjourned early and did not address ranked, I mean, sorry, um, the initiative petition and the the um, ratio of votes um, to change our constitution, we are now stuck um, with 50 
percent plus one can change our Missouri Constitution. Plus, and this will be another program. You know, every twenty years, Missouri is asked the question on the November ballot if we want to have a constitutional convention for our Missouri Constitution, and it's never passed before. There's usually been about thirty-three percent yes votes. Um, but things are so crazy, especially the Roe versus Wade um, issue. I can see where the pro-aborts would um, see an opportunity to get something in the Constitution. And that's another thing we did not do this year. We had um, Senator Bob Onder and Senator, um, oh, my mind just went blank, um, had, there were two, oh, Ken, Andrew Koenig, there were two SJRs in the Senate that had been filed to um, put a vote to the people that there is no right to abortion in the Missouri Constitution. Um, and those just languished. Um, so really, our, our senator, and I'll call out the names, you know, the leader, the president pro tem, Senator Dave Schatz, who's termed, um, and Senator Caleb Rowden, who's the floor leader, um, were pathetic um, in getting these very important issues that protect the lives, liberty, and property of the people of Missouri. Bev, let me, um, let me ask you a question here real quick. What do you think was more important to them um, as far as was it just getting this uh, session over with uh, because there had been so many ups and downs this year and the redistricting situation uh, was kind of a sore subject uh, with a lot of Missourians. Uh, do you think that they had other things on their agenda that they would personally have uh, pushed a little bit more for as as uh, as they get toward the end of the session? There's certain things that they're really uh, all about as opposed to you know looking at the big picture here. Because I I, I think that a lot of these issues that we're discussing. Uh, are important issues to Missouri, and certainly when you talk about uh, the need for maybe a constitutional, uh, you know, a constitutional convention uh, here as far as the state of Missouri and changing the constitution uh, of our state, they've kind of left the door wide open there. Oh, they did. I don't know what their priorities are. Their priorities are not the people's priorities. They state these things are important, mm -hmm. but by what they do at the Capitol, um, it's evident that they are not important. I'm not sure what, um, it's, it's sad. It's, it's of course, power and ego and, and personality conflicts. And, um, just, um, it's just been an awful experience, um, in the state Capitol this year, especially in the state Senate because of the decorum is gone. And, um, it's just all, um, yeah, it's egos and, you know, pride, you know, and I think, I think pride is, probably our number one problem you know it is with me you know my, my wanting my way and um so yeah and then, and then as i was leaving the capitol i saw the missouri um the lobbyist for the missouri chamber of commerce thanking one of the senators for his help and saving uh, yet another session and that troubled me because the missouri chamber of commerce is not the chambers of commerce we had you know 25 years ago the um, Chambers of Commerce, the Municipal League, they're all big government um, um, organizations now. And um, those members who um, think they, they, they have changed. So I just want to put that out there for letting people know. Now, the local Chambers of Commerce hopefully still are good. However, like many things, the powers, um, the, the control is taken over by those who want to um, control us the um, big government people, whereas the rank-and-file members are still, you know, everyday people who are trying to do their best, build mm -hmm. their businesses, and, and, and do those things at home that, that build the economy in their own area. 
Um, but anyway, that's just another another thing to talk about sometime because all these organizations are changing, and the people are not changing, but the organizations are. Let's uh, let's kind of jump ahead to um, what's what's next. Um, you mentioned statewide voter registration drive. Uh, uh, that uh, they're looking for volunteers in all counties to make sure people are registered to vote. It's very important. I think this is going to be a huge election for any number of reasons. Um, uh, this ranked choice voting that you mentioned, and and also uh, on the uh, August ballot is going to be whether or not uh, they legalize recreational marijuana. Now, medical marijuana has been legalized in the state, but uh, I guess it will kind of fall by the wayside if uh, recreational marijuana is uh, is legalized, because then what's the point of, of needing your medical marijuana card? Because if you're, you're tw- over 21, you can possess marijuana, you can uh, use marijuana, you can even grow marijuana. So I, I guess this will uh, be an interesting issue. The folks for uh, for uh, legalizing recreational marijuana have gotten enough signatures to get this uh, this issue on the ballot. So any of those, if you'd like to jump in on them, uh, we've got plenty of time to talk about all three of those. Well, and and again, um, as, as discussed as I get with our Republican majority in the in the uh, state capitol, there have been some good things that they have um, tried to change. You know, we know the Medicaid expansion. Um, of course, the medical marijuana years ago, they were trying to write the correct language, um, but they were also you know, um, people were not wanting it. The people were not clamoring for it. The outside interests wanted their medical marijuana, and there are some youngins who want recreational marijuana, so you have to get medical marijuana before you can get the recreational marijuana, at least um, in a, a conservative state like Missouri. Um, so because our Missouri General Assembly was not um, acting on the outside interests but on the interests of, of Missourians, the initiative petition process allowed the outside interest to come in and put these things on the ballot. And then, of course, like I said before, that if you have enough money to pay the um, petition gatherers out to get the signatures, you have enough money to run the commercials and mail the flyers to tell the people what you want them to think that the um, proposed amendment is going to do. So, um, so yeah, we're uh, stuck with um, um, this medical marijuana, and I haven't even read I'm, legal. Um, there's another bad thing about the initiative petition is the wording that the um, drafters come up with goes directly um, to the people and goes directly into the Constitution. At the state capitol, you know, they have hearings and it goes through the legislative process where it goes under the basement or the legislative review ceases the conflicts within the other statutes and in, in, um, um, in the books or if it's in the Constitution constitutional amendment and the other things in the Constitution, so they make sure that the wording is correct. Well, on initiative petition, you just slap up any kind of wording that you want, and if people approve it, it goes right into the Constitution or it goes right into the law books as is. Um, so uh, so we're going to be faced with that. So hopefully um, the people, I, I don't know what people are going to do with the recreational marijuana. Um, hopefully they will be voting it down because um, people understood or thought, you know, that back with the medical marijuana, it was a reason um, for, for some people to have it medically. And it would be governed and, and watched, you know, through the um, doctors and, and prescriptions and such. So hopefully they'll be able to turn down um, the recreational um, marijuana. And, of course, the ranked choice voting, um, we had to get the word out. I don't know. Um, normally, the um, proposed amendments go on the November ballot, but the governor can um, call for another election, and so they can't actually go in August. 
So in May, we may be faced with um, these issues as early as August. So yeah, so it's voted. So as far as voter registration, we do have an updated voter registration packet. You can register people to vote at your state, at, I'm sorry, at your church, um, your local conservative um, clubs or whatever. It's, it's easy to do, and we'd be glad to walk you through it. Uh, we have um, all the things that you would need to, to, to do that um, yourself. And it's important to get more conservatives registered to vote and voting. Uh, voting in August. Many people vote in the presidential elections in November every four years, and even more other people vote in the November elections, but the August elections are where the choices are made. So we have to get that drummed into our heads that August and April, April and August are the most important elections that we have mm-hmm. during the dream. Well, again, it's... Uh, <laughs> I don't think when the legislative ends, le- legislative session ends, Bev, that uh, we really can can hope for a whole lot anymore. It just seems like uh, a lot of folks are dragging their feet for one reason or another. Uh, and sometimes, though, um, what they don't do is uh, n- not a bad thing, depending on uh, the subject matter. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean... Do we always need yep. more more laws on the books? Uh, uh, if we do, well, then maybe we should replace some of the laws that we've got on the books. And uh, you know, that's. I, I guess now you you're getting into an area where we had some dissension in the ranks in the Republican Party, uh, the conservative Republicans versus more moderate Republicans, and uh, that's kind of a scary thought because are these people doing what the people want them to do, or are they basically, as you stated, kind of uh, touting their egos a little bit here and uh, doing what they feel is is the best decision. How much input are they getting from the people? Because, you know, when it comes right down to it, they work for us. And I think sometimes that is uh, something that uh, people forget about. Well, and that's, and that's the good thing, because more people are paying attention than ever before, because, you know, they thought years ago they sent Republicans to the state capitol, everything would be good, because they thought the Republicans going to the state capitol would be upholding the Republican platform. And so the grassroots Republicans, or conservatives in Missouri, um, you know, believe that the person they were electing was, had the same mindset. So now that people are paying more attention, they're seeing that there is the, um, the battle. And, and it makes sense, you know, the Democrat Party... Um, have sold out to the Marxist philosophy years ago, and, and they're bankrupt as far as the moral issues. Um, so the battle is in the Republican Party because the controllers, you know, have to have both parties um, because there can't be a freedom party and there can't be a controlled party. So, um, so it's not it's not um, unusual to see this battle. It's sad, but it's it's I mean it's reality, and of course we should expect it. And that's where the um, people of Missouri need to uh, hunker down and know that we're going to have to battle. For the soul of our of um, of our of our state, and um, for those in the Republican Party, so uh, yeah, the state capitol. When the people show up, uh, it's it's really tough for the members of the General Assembly to to ignore them. But then the people are gone the next day, and the lobbyists for all these special interests are there every day. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, but um, but again, there's not a day that goes by that I don't remind myself to know what I know and not know God, I would be frantic and it would, it would seem hopeless. But, um, uh, but God's truth is truth, and uh, we stand for that truth because His truth and His principles um, applied to life um, work for everyone. So we have to, to um, remember that 
that his truth is what we um, need to be spreading, and that does flow into public policy as well. Well, you have been there for uh, a couple of days now. You'd probably like to get back home and uh, relax a little bit, and I, I guess you can do that. I mean, you, you will continue to fight the good fight. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, just taking a little time for yourself and maybe reflecting on how things uh, uh, went as far as this legislative session is concerned. And uh, I would also imagine it's it's time to get your second wind and, and gear up for, uh, for August and see uh, just exactly how things uh, begin to play out here, especially when we're talking about uh, some of these ballot issues and uh, also talking about some of these uh, offices that are up for grabs, uh, state Senate seats uh, and the like. Uh, I'm already hearing campaign ads. Uh, I've heard uh, a couple here locally. So we know full well that uh, it's going to be a little downtime maybe throughout the rest of the month of May and beginning of June, and then roll up your sleeves and uh, come out swinging again. Well, and please um, check out our Facebook page. That's the most up-to-date area where you can check on what Concerned Women for America, Missouri is doing and contact us. Our contact information is on there. My phone number is 314-608-0168. I would love to talk to you about how you can make a difference in your own area. And um, yeah, because um, we do roll our sleeves. You know, now the session is over, we go to the next stage. The next stage is um, the elections and getting the information out um, to people registering to vote, getting them out to vote in August. And um, yeah, so just in educating, we've got some conferences uh, in the works coming up and so we just keep on going very good let's get all those voters stirred up let's get folks registered to vote and make sure that uh, people turn out in force like i said this is going to be a very pivotal time uh for not only the state of missouri but uh, the country as well bev Allen, concerned women for america of missouri always a pleasure and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks uh hey relax and take some downtime and enjoy yourself will you <laughs> thank you jb have a good one absolutely Bye-bye. thank you so much it is 8.29. Coming up, we'll be speaking with Bob Lynch in this uh, 8 o'clock hour as well. He should be joining us here shortly. We'll uh, talk about any number of things. And don't forget, your phone calls are welcome at 573-633-5395. You can call and talk directly to Bob. Ask him a question about what's going on in your neck of the woods that involves the Missouri Department of Transportation. Let's move ahead now with some information. Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com. Chris Schneider with Lake TV. It's all here on The Daily Show on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, May 13th. Lake of the Ozarks may be done with winter weather, but severe forecasts are still in the cards. Today's expected to see temperatures in the mid-80s to low 90s, with a chance of severe storms later in the day. Forecasters say the lake area is only at a slight risk of seeing severe storms, but if they move into the area, we could see quarter-sized hail, damaging wind gusts of more than 60 miles per hour, and the risk of localized flooding. In a welcome update from many Lake of the Ozarks residents, construction on the Lake Ozark Aldi has finally begun. The news of construction was announced on the City of Lake Ozark's Facebook page, and with cold weather and spring rains behind us, construction is expected to continue at a quick pace. The exact open date for the new store is unknown, but representatives for Aldi say they expect the Lake Ozark store to open this year. 
Authorities are advising citizens to avoid an active landslide on Wilbus Drive in Sunrise Beach. The landslide was reported by a resident in the area who was concerned about cracking they observed on an asphalt road. It was determined the cracking was caused by an active landslide in an area that sets above two duplexes. Sunrise Beach Fire Protection District is monitoring the slide. Although the road is still open to the public, it's recommended that people stay out of the area if possible. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on key radio made possible through a generous donation from Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about the very incredible and popular wall art you'll find at Victoria Station. We've always been known for our wall arts. Um, we have a large selection of both metal art and framed art canvas prints in traditional and in uh, the nautical themes. And so we're a destination for wall art. We're also known for a large variety of lamps. We like cool, unique lamps that'll give give lighting in your living area, not just a utility lampshade there that's producing light, but to add the decorative features to that. Um, we are going to feature a section in the store of American-made products. Some of those are locally sourced and some of those from the Midwest, and we're we're really excited to be able to do that. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit. And the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. How about those St. Louis Blues? They win their first round playoff series in six games, beating Minnesota last night to put the Wild away. The Blues winning the final two games of the series to advance. Next up for the Blues, number one seed Colorado in the next round. That is going to be a tough one as well. As for uh, college softball, the uh, Mizzou ladies and MSU ladies into the conference tournament. The Mizzou ladies with a big upset win over second seed Alabama yesterday. So they will play again this afternoon in the semifinal round against Tennessee. The Mizzou ladies are 35-19 and 19 on the season now. As for the MSU Lady Bears, they're 25-18. and 18. They will play in the Valley Tournament semifinals this afternoon. That game gets started about 1.30 in Springfield. Mizzou Baseball, 25-20 and 20 on the season. They've got a three-game series at home against Florida this weekend. MSU Bears, 22-23. and 23. They've got a three-game series at home this weekend against Against Illinois State. As for the big boys, Cardinals and Royals busy today. The Cardinals open up a series at home against the Giants, and the Royals open up a series on the road against Colorado. Hey, believe it or not, NFL is gearing up for the new season. The draft is in the books. Now they're getting ready for the OTAs, the organized team activities. Those are what they call the off-season workouts in the NFL. So the first workouts for the Chiefs will be on May 25th and 26th. So that's coming up here uh, in not too long a time. 
Hey, remember, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's freaking hilarious. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and fobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock serving the entire lake area. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting the Key with your monthly donation. Business, government, history, religion, entertainment, and much more on 89.3 The Key. Welcome back. It is 837 on a beautiful day at the Lake of the Ozarks. i got to tell you, it is always a beautiful day at the Lake of the Ozarks, and we're very fortunate. We've endured the rain. We've endured the heat. Looks like maybe some more shower and thunderstorm activity coming uh, through the area uh, possibly later today and into tonight as well. The uh, risk for severe weather is slight. It does exist. It's all up to uh, this cold front and how this cold front wants to roll, if it wants to uh, kind of push through. It's a weak cold front, so it could trigger some activity in western Missouri uh, that may be severe. Some of that could very well push its way into the Tri-County region. And then uh, we're looking at uh, maybe some more on the other side of the Tri-County region as well. This uh, system moving kind of uh, to the east, southeast, if you will. But there is the potential for some severe weather. So if you have any plans uh, later on tonight, like maybe coming down and seeing me in hot summer nights, I'll be there. I'm uh, I'm not the feature. I'm not the attraction. The attraction is... All of the uh, great cars that they'll have. They'll have vehicles down there uh, like we did last weekend for the big car show. But we will also have the opportunity to check out the businesses and see your friends and family members. There are always people that come down specifically for hot summer nights. And they uh, yeah, they stop by and say hello. Come on by. We'll, we'll take a selfie or something like that. Maybe you want to do that. That's 5 until 10 tonight on the beautiful and historic Bagnell Dam Strip. 74 degrees is where we are. 
90 for the high today, 64 for the low tonight, back up to 85 for the high tomorrow, a high of 80 on Sunday. Looks pretty nice tomorrow, partly cloudy sky, and then maybe some showers and thunderstorms, uh, again, uh, of a severe nature on uh, on Sunday. And it looks at this point like there is a better chance for some severe weather on uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night as another cold front pushes through, triggering the possibility for some showers and thunderstorms. Sunny on Monday and a high of 76. Morning showers on Tuesday and a high of 76. Uh, Some morning showers possible again on Wednesday with a high of 83. And then sunshine on Thursday and 86. Sunny and 90 for Friday, May the 20th. Right now we are at 74 degrees, again broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Quick check of what's uh, shaken with... Uh, Bagnell Dam, and interestingly enough, Bob Lynch is in the studio, so we'll talk probably a little bit about uh, Bagnell Dam. Lake level at 658.88, and the river level at 567.97, and uh, a pretty hefty discharge going on as well with all of the rain. Still trying to find a place for it all before it uh, comes through and maybe douses us again. As I mentioned, Bob Lynch joining us from the Missouri Department of Transportation. Hey, good to see you Wednesday night out with uh, the missus, taking in a show over there at the Ozarks Amphitheater. Oh, it was a great night and a little warm, but we got through that, but really enjoyed the concert and the groups that were there. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good show. And uh, like, I've, like I've told just about everybody that I've seen, uh, kind of reminded me of a uh, of a block party because there were so many people there that uh, you probably knew, that, that knew you, because, of course, you are a radio and television star in your own right. And, <laughs> no, uh, no, and, and no lot, sir. Lot, a lot of people uh, were happy to see you and hang out and have a good, uh, have a good evening at Ozark's Amphitheater. Uh, in the uh, uh, local news, I heard Stacy Johnson mention something about a rock slide over in Sunrise Beach, which made me uh, think about, uh, and we've talked about this before, uh, there was, uh, you know, with all the rain and everything that we've had, uh, I, I think maybe the potential is there, certainly in some areas, as that water just constantly erodes the uh, the landscape in one way, shape, or form. But uh, there was an issue over on 242 here recently. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, there's a contractor doing work for a, a landowner, mm-hmm. and it uh, it's just east of the Route MM intersection, and there's a rock bluff in that area. And uh, they were taking down that rock bluff in order to provide better site viewing of the property, would be my guess. And uh, it's technically off state right away. Um, so, uh, but when they did the blast, uh, the one occurred, I guess, Monday, I'll say, this week. And, of course, it's a state holiday, so we're, we're off during that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the city, you know, was controlling the traffic during that time when they did the blast, which they've been doing. And... Uh, so from a safety standpoint, that was taken care of. But the, the rock came down onto 242. And uh, you try not to have that happen. Uh, certainly the contractors don't want that to happen. And it's it's happened to some of our projects in the past where those shots go uh, in a place where you don't want them to go. And uh, unfortunately, it covered 242. And City of Lake Ozark responded right away with uh, their equipment. They didn't have some of the larger equipment to take care of the, the boulders that were, were there. So they did call us in, and we came in and brought in a loader to help out. And so we all worked together to get it cleaned up as best we could, and then uh, working with the contractor now and the property owner to uh, clean it up the rest of the way and get the, get it out of the way. Right now it's just on the sidewalk, 
as well as, you know, the right-of-way. Mm-hmm. It goes back towards the right-of-way line, but it'll all get cleaned up, and uh, we'll see what new development goes there. Well, certainly that's uh, very promising to hear that uh, there's someone in the process, and, and, and that's essentially the hope. Uh, to uh, to get 242 lined up with uh, businesses on either side. Uh, but as that sort of thing happens, uh, yeah, you, I, I guess, you know, you try to take every precaution, but sometimes things just happen. They do. And, you know, we, we had a similar situation down by the um, movie theater mm-hmm. uh, several years ago. And, of course, there's a lot taller rock bluffs there. And there was a contractor doing work for, uh, I guess, actually the movie theater area. And and the uh, edge of that came down onto the rampway that takes you to westbound 54. So these things happen, unfortunately. And the good thing is is that they do control the area from a traffic control standpoint. Uh, you don't want to be blasting next to moving traffic. And like I said, uh, City of Lake Ozark, their police department, was out there managing that during that time. And um, and. Obviously, they saw that the rock came down on 242, so mm-hmm. then that closed the road just for a little bit on Monday. And But their crews responded right away to get one lane open, and then you know we came in and, and helped out as well. Very good. <clears throat> so I guess, um, as is the case with all the rain that we've had here in the last um, week or so, um, well, not week or so, but the last, I guess, two weeks or so. Anyway, um, that's still kind of a point of contention uh, with MoDOT. Uh, you go out looking uh, to try and make sure that everything is where it needs to be. It is. Um, you know, we lost, we still have several low water crossings on our system that mm-hmm. the counties do, of course. And uh, some of those locations, you know, we have to do a lot of repair work to, mainly in Laclede County. Um, you know, just the, even the ditches, you know, were overrun with the amount of water that was coming down certain areas. So um, we're trying to address those as best we can. You know, we still got potholes we're dealing with. And also, you know, our contractors are underway in the area. And so part of that is to prep the road for them um, and maintenance crews do that work as well. So it's, you know, you don't like to see all these things uh, occurring at the same time, but it's the same same time, it's it's kind of a typical year. You know, we, we have spring rains. We deal with um, these type of issues. The with aftermath. <laughs> heavy rain events. And and so we're we're prepared for it. We right. adjust accordingly and do our best to, to get everything done. So it's, uh, it's a typical year, I guess. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. And, and Mother, Mother Nature will let you know what, what she's thinking and what she's up to and, and how she wants to handle things. Uh, the closure uh, of the bridge over Bagnell Dam, where are we at on that? Well, this week uh, we closed it on Monday. Right. And it should be open. I didn't check, but the plan was to open it uh, late last night or maybe early this morning to get it ready for the weekend. Good. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, yellow uh, dust that's flying around is getting to me it's finally. It's killing everybody, yeah. <laughs> we're all, uh, my dog's choking on it. I know, but uh, let's see. Anyway, um, so they're putting down the epoxy seal over the, over the bridge, and part of it is on the roadway surface where the headworks are at, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it will be applied to the sidewalk and curb. So this week they just got the driving surface taken care of, so you'll notice something new uh, on that as you drive across the dam this weekend. And then next week it looks like we're going to have to close it again to finish up the curb and the sidewalk area. 
So um, pay attention to those uh, uh, work zones uh, that we have out there, the messages that we have out there on the message boards. Mm-hmm. And if, if it truly does need to be closed next Monday, then we'll, we'll be alerting people of that. But right now that's the plan. So something that I see constantly, and I'm really surprised we haven't had more people uh, close calls or maybe some uh, run-ins uh, with people, is the use of the acceleration lane on those J-turns. And so you've got people that go to make the turn, and a lot of times it seems like they sit there and kind of hesitate because they don't want to, uh, they don't want to kind of get too far out in the in the passing lane. Uh, so they'll wait till all the traffic goes by, and then they'll go ahead and make the turn and start heading in the other direction. And the acceleration lane, in my opinion anyway, is long enough for you to utilize to get up to speed, right? Whatever the speed is. That's correct. But they like to pull out into the passing lane, and they're doing maybe 35, 40, maybe that much, uh, maybe a little faster. I don't know. But explain the use of the acceleration lane as far as why it is there in the first place. Well, you already did. You said it's it's long enough to get up to speed before you merge over. And, um, you know, it, the J-turns are still a learning process. They've been around for a long time, actually. We've had them uh, in, up in Cole County on 54 several years ago, and, and they've been there. And and that I think the challenge with an interior acceleration lane in the in the median is people are not familiar with seeing that you know right they're used to them being on the uh, outside of the roadway I'll say on on the right side you know you come from an interchange you're on the right side of of the road when you're entering the highway um, so I, I I'm going to say majority of people understand the J turns but there's that ten to twenty percent maybe that. Uh, are just not f- familiar with them. They don't pay attention to the signs we have there. We we say there's a U-turn uh, with signage. Uh, we're also putting some arrows in the acceleration lane to alert people that, uh, you know, you can go straight there. You can accelerate in that lane. And so it's it's going to be a learning process. And um, But the ultimate goal, which is being achieved, is, is safety. Mm-hmm. So um, those intersections, you know, we're doing that work uh, from Lake Ozark to Eugene to install a few more J-turns, also other corrections to intersections that, that warrant different uh, ideas. But we're trying to improve the, the safety along 54 with these at-grade intersections. And, you know, if a person uh, uses the J-turn and they come down and there is a yield sign there, so that probably creates confusion. The, the larger vehicles... Uh, can't make that U-turn movement and stay in the acceleration lane. So they do have to stop, yield to traffic that's coming at them. And that's what we want, really, them to do. And the thing that, that uh, happens compared to at an accurate intersection is that individual that stops there at the yield sign, they're only paying attention to one thing, and that's traffic coming at them. So if they're, if they're at an accurate intersection that has multiple things going on, then they got to pay attention to the traffic coming at them, the traffic coming across, traffic's making a left turn in, traffic's making a right turn in, and so all that creates the uh, confusion to the driver, and then you have accidents that happen, unfortunately. So um, it's okay that they're, they're stopped there. 
I know it frustrates some of us because. Well, it's not frustrating. I just I, I just noticed you know how how some of the large you mentioned the larger vehicles they have to stop because if they do make the the turn it's a little too tight and you do kind of veer out into that uh, passing lane a little bit. So the yield sign is a good way for them to see the sign and then realize they need to look to see where the traffic at is at before they proceed. Yes, and. You know, um, the large, large, you know, large trucks, they have to actually go into the shoulder on the opposite side. And we have a bulb out area, we call it, to where they're, they can make that turn mm-hmm. and they're actually accelerating in the driving lane. So it depends on what vehicle, you know, is there and how they have to use that uh, J turn. But uh, so, but safety's improved. Right. And that's the ultimate goal here is um, to eliminate those serious and fatality type accidents. Is there still accidents occurring? Yes. There's side swipes, there's potentially rear ends, but all those are less uh, serious in nature in general. And so if you're driving those numbers down of those type of accidents, then your disabling injuries, your fatalities are going to go down. And isn't that what we want to do along our highways is try to prevent that? Could there be property damage going on? Sure. But that's that's better than someone getting seriously hurt or fatally injured. Yeah. Very true, very true. And I know uh, with the quarry there in Lynn Creek, I think it kind of helps those uh, dump truck drivers. They can use that acceleration lane, use the full lane to try to get up to speed. And also, it gives people that are coming, you know, traveling in that general direction a chance to see them. And they don't, they're not just like right out there on the, uh, right out there on the road. They could use that acceleration lane. And uh, they, the dump truck drivers that I've seen, uh, they have used it, and, you know, they get it. They understand what it's all about. Yeah, the, the one you mentioned down in Link Creek by the quarry, it, that acceleration lane seems to work better, you know, by the post office you come out. Now, what's unique about that location is when you exit uh, the industrial park area from Link Creek, you're, you're, you, we kind of split the locations where you come in and come out of that area. Mm-hmm. So it's a one-way out, and, again, you're creating that situation to where, uh, that driver's only paying attention to one thing. There's nobody turning left into that location, so they're only looking at traffic coming at them from Camden. Still, there, you know, there could be a T-bone type accident if they pull out in front of somebody, but we're lessening that chance because they don't have as much to think about. Mm-hmm. And then when we guide them into the median, they immediately go into that acceleration lane, and they see that better there than they do at some of the J-turn locations. When that was first developed there where one way in one way out i did see people on occasion go the wrong, the wrong way and uh, well, try they're to going get, to yes yeah and and again it's just a learning curve it's a learning process and that's why it's important to pay attention when you're driving and we talk so much about distracted driving and how it uh, can get somebody hurt or killed and certainly that's not what you want, but if you can lessen the amount of things people have to pay attention to, I would imagine that's going to help keep the numbers down as far as uh, accidents and fatalities and things along those lines. Well, it does. You know, we we give them multiple things to think about just when they're driving, and then, of course, whatever's going on inside their car, their vehicle, uh, is interfering with that decision process as well. So minimize those decision processes and hopefully improve safety. I don't know, how did the, uh, you know, there's still a real push on uh, trying to get people to pay attention and uh, lessen the amounts of distracted driving with phones or eating or doing whatever you're doing behind the wheel that you shouldn't be doing and, and, and paying attention, much closer attention, to uh, to what's going on on the, on the roadway. Um, 
I know that you have signs that are out. Um, what other campaigns do you have? I, I think there's probably public service announcements for radio and TV and things along those lines. But do you ever uh, send anybody into the schools to uh, talk directly to young people? And I know people my age are probably distracted. <laughs> They've got kids in the car or other things going on. But uh, is that something that the Missouri Department of Transportation tries to do, is especially reaching out to younger drivers? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, actually, it's through the Coalition for Highway Safety. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, you know safety funds that come through MoDOT that's funneled out to these uh, special groups. And they're made up of people from the, the local area. You know, it could be uh, resource officers from schools. could be poli- people from the police departments themselves. Right and various emergency responders. And so, you know, they, they take an interest in this, and they, they're the ones that, uh, you know, understand what the goal is for the state of Missouri. And, of course, we're working towards zero fatalities. Um, and so they come up with different uh, ways to try to accomplish that through education, through uh, docudramas. Uh, I don't know if you've been involved in those in the past, but we've done those at, you know, like School of the Osage, Camden where that uh, coalition for highway safety they they'll come in and work with the local you know, fire department and so forth and mm-hmm. and set up those docudramas where it, it reinforces the idea of why it's important to um, you know put your phone down to wear seat belts and what potentially could happen you know they they also bring in the helicopter um, to to fly the individuals that are you know doing the acting away from the area and again it reinforces the messages of what we're trying to tell the the young adults um, it seems to be across the state of Missouri. It continues that uh, the young adults are the least likely to wear their seatbelts. And uh, we, we continue to do those surveys, and that's what we see that, you know, over 70% of the fatalities that they're involved in, they're not wearing their seatbelts, and that's unfortunate. It's the, it's the best thing, best chance you have to survive an accident. Uh, currently across the state, you know, with our total fatalities, we have about 291, which, again, is very high mm-hmm. uh, compared to uh, the last five years. 64% of those fatalities where people are not wearing their safety belts. Right. So um, all we can do is can try to continue to educate as best we can. And, um, you know, it starts at, at home as well. That's something we've talked to our kids about. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's where we're at. Being in the position that you're in, yeah, I'm sure you probably uh, try to reinforce uh, what's important to, to do and not to do when you're behind the wheel of a vehicle? Because uh, I guess both of your well, your oldest son's driving. I don't know about your youngest son. He's probably driving too. They both are. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm the first one to say I'm not perfect, and I'm I'm in a hurry. Uh, that's one of my flaws. I'll I'll call it as I always wait to the last minute to go somewhere. And uh, and you know that over the years, I always walk in ten seconds before we have to start. But you're here, though. That's the thing. You know, I, I might be keeping an eye on the clock a little bit and sweating it, uh, but I know you'll be here unless uh, you you send me a text or something. So I, I I understand completely. But yeah, that's that, that's one of the things when you're running late, everything just kind of flies out the window, uh, with the exception of whatever it is that that you need to be doing to get to where you need to be. Right, and. Uh... So anyway, um, you know, I realize or we realize nobody's perfect and we're going to all have our challenges day to day based on what that is. And, but the important thing is, is just try to take that second to put on your, your seatbelt mm-hmm. uh, and put your phone down and should be okay. I know that people have different feelings on things like seatbelts and helmets when you're riding a motorcycle or something like that. But 
I will say that a seatbelt saved my life, and it saved my life in that area right around A Road because I've told you about the accident that I was involved in. Somebody pulled out right in front of me, and uh, I couldn't do anything to uh, uh, miss hitting them because, I mean, they literally pulled right out in front of me, and uh, that was that. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you like them, if you don't, that's completely and totally up to you. But uh, either way, uh, it's there if you want to wear it, and uh, you might as well save your life. It is uh, just about 9 o'clock. Bob Lynch from MoDOT, as always, uh, great to have you with us. And I guess that uh, we'll get together and do this thing one more time next Friday. We will. Thank you, as always. Thank you, sir. Everybody, uh, we're going to do some. Uh, we're going to do some informing. We'd like to inform you as to what's going on. We've got information uh, coming up now. Stacy Johnson from LakeExpo.com with a look at uh, some local news. Chris Schneider from Lake TV. Uncle Chris. He always talks about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour, and you definitely have to check him out. Make sure you uh, tune in to Lake TV and check out LakeExpo.com. Chris Schneider with the Check of Sports. It is officially 9 o'clock on the Midwest Coast, and you are listening to The Daily Show on Key Radio. You're listening to Community Radio for the Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, May 13th. Lake of the Ozarks may be done with winter weather, but severe forecasts are still in the cards. Today's expected to see temperatures in the mid-80s to low 90s, with a chance of severe storms later in the day. Forecasters say the lake area is only at a slight risk of seeing severe storms, but if they move into the area, we could see quarter-sized hail, damaging wind gusts of more than 60 miles per hour, and the risk of localized flooding. In a welcome update from many Lake of the Ozarks residents, construction on the Lake Ozark Aldi has finally begun. The news of construction was announced on the City of Lake Ozark's Facebook page, and with cold weather and spring rains behind us, construction is expected to continue at a quick pace. The exact open date for the new store is unknown, but representatives for Aldi say they expect the Lake Ozark store to open this year. Authorities are advising citizens to avoid an active landslide on Wilbus Drive in Sunrise Beach. The landslide was reported by a resident in the area who was concerned about cracking they observed on an asphalt road. It was determined the cracking was caused by an active landslide in an area that sets above two duplexes. Sunrise Beach Fire Protection District is monitoring the slide. Although the road is still open to the public, it's recommended that people stay out of the area if possible. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source.
I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. How about those St. Louis Blues? They win their first round playoff series in six games, beating Minnesota last night to put the Wild away. The Blues winning the final two games of the series to advance. Next up for the Blues, number one seed Colorado in the next round. That is going to be a tough one as well. As for uh, college softball, the uh, Mizzou ladies and MSU ladies into the conference tournament. The Mizzou ladies with a big upset win over second seed Alabama yesterday. So they will play again this afternoon in the semifinal round against Tennessee. The Mizzou ladies are 35-19 and 19 on the season now. As for the MSU Lady Bears, they're 25-18. and 18. They will play in the Valley Tournament semifinals this afternoon. That game gets started about 1.30 in Springfield. Mizzou Baseball, 25-20 and 20 on the season. They've got a three-game series at home against Florida this weekend. MSU Bears, 22-23. and 23. They've got a three-game series at home this weekend against Against Illinois State. As for the big boys, Cardinals and Royals busy today. The Cardinals open up a series at home against the Giants, and the Royals open up a series on the road against Colorado. Hey, believe it or not, NFL is gearing up for the new season. The draft is in the books. Now they're getting ready for the OTAs, the organized team activities. Those are what they call the off-season workouts in the NFL. So the first workouts for the Chiefs will be on May 25th and 26th. So that's coming up here uh, in not too long a time. Hey, remember, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's freaking hilarious. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course the annual Lake of the Ozark shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received.
the Lake of the Ozarks Community Radio Station. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. Welcome in, 907, hour number two of The Daily Show, and we thank you for joining us. Some folks that uh, we will be talking with next week include none other than, uh, uh, yes, uh, Doug Beck, who is with the Lake of the Ozarks Water Safety Council. Uh, Wear your life jacket to work day is uh, coming up. We'll talk a little bit about life jackets, some other statistics. Uh, Our good buddy Jeff Hooker, who is the uh, city administrator for the city of Camdenton. Also, Fozzie Simon will be on. Fozzie and I talked uh, a while back, and uh, one of the things that uh, we had discussed talking about in the future was red flag laws. If you know anything about red flag laws, well, we'll talk about that uh, on Tuesday. So some of the folks that we'll see, in addition to Ike Skelton, Mindy Sales, as well as Danny Ellison, uh, Bob Lynch, and the uh, gentleman who's sitting across from me right now, Mr. Dave Moppin. We'll talk with him here momentarily. Quick check of that weather forecast again. Not uh, not something out of the ordinary, but something you just probably need to be aware of, and that is uh, the potential for some severe weather later on today. Uh, clouds and sun this morning, scattered thunderstorms developing this afternoon. They are possible And that potential for uh, severe weather exists. A high today near 90 degrees, 64 the overnight low, with the potential again for some scattered shower and thunderstorm activity becoming more widespread overnight. Tomorrow we'll see some clouds and a high of 85. Some afternoon thunderstorms uh, as well on Sunday. Now they're talking that uh, as far as severe weather goes, this looks to be uh, maybe the day where we will actually see some uh, severe weather push through. Slight chance today, better chance on Sunday with a high of 80 and a low of 55. Sunny and 77 on Monday. Isolated thunderstorms in 76 on Tuesday. Uh, morning showers and thunderstorms in 84 on Wednesday. Sunny and 86 on Thursday. And then uh, looks like uh, sunshine and a oh, high of around 90 on Friday, next Friday. But uh, the day I'm looking at here is probably uh, Wednesday because the Smashing Pumpkins will be in town at the Ozarks Amphitheater. This is kind of weird. I've been to like three con- – I, I don't remember going to this many concerts except when I was a kid. You know, I, it was it was <laughs> one of those things where uh, you got a test tomorrow. You, shouldn't you be at home studying for the test? Heck no. Uh, Van Halen's in town, man. I'm, I'm, i got to go see Van Halen. Are your ears still ringing? That's always – is it too loud or is it uh, – how do they keep the volume pretty decent? Well, you know the song uh, ACDC, for those about to rock, we salute you. And at the end they have the cannon blasts. Right. Well, even even though we were in a a, a place like the old arena, the, the checker dome, whatever you refer to it as, uh, they fired off the cannons. And I will tell you that my ears were ringing the next day when I got up from that. And a lot of other things, too. 9-10, and we are at 74 degrees, broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Dave Boppin in the studio, of course, to uh, bring us up to speed with what's going on among the dogwoods here this morning. And uh, I read the most recent report from the May 10th meeting, and it sounded like uh, uh, it wasn't... uh, wasn't too stressful for you. No, I mean, you know, Monica and I were going to go over to that rooftop bar over at Lodge of the Four Seasons this mm-hmm. evening. Now I'm thinking that's not the best idea <laughs> as far as based on that weather report. I don't know. Well, you might go over there anyway. I mean, you could get over there. And like I said, uh, the potential, uh, everything, I, I'm going off of what the meteorologists are saying. Yeah. I'm not a trained meteorologist. I'm not a licensed or certified meteorologist by any stretch of the imagination. 
but I'm kind of a weather junkie. It is Missouri. I mean, so that's the weather matters to everybody. It's Absolutely the number one sir. topic of conversation. <laughs> Where did you go to high school, and uh, what's the weather going to be like? That's right. Yeah. So uh, let's talk uh, about the most recent meeting. Okay, yeah. So we had a meeting. Wait, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Stop for just a second. Okay. Did you get your pass? I did not get my okay. visitor's pass. Okay. Right. We got that out of the way. All right. Yeah, it's a sensitive topic. So I, we we had a May 10th meeting with the commissioners. All of them were there, all three. Uh, there was uh, a uniformed Sunrise Beach police officer there, so I had a feeling he was going to be there talking about the Sunrise Beach radios. Uh, first thing that came up, though, was uh, BKD addendum. And we've talked about it. BKD is the uh, consulting firm that the county hired for about $200,000 to help them uh, basically identify which things were were uh, acceptable to be used with ARP for ARPA money mm-hmm. and also to do the paperwork and make sure the filings were correct so the county didn't get any trouble with audits or or the new uh, ARPA Department of ARPA Investigations Special Investigations Unit that, right. that the federal government's going to be starting up. So, uh, so yeah, it's $200,000 that they've already spent and this addendum was going to be about an extra 90000 or $100,000 uh, more that they were considering paying BKD for them to write some grants for the county and to also teach uh, Camden County employees how to write grants themselves. So it would be around $90,000 for 18 months of contract, and during that time they would be writing grants and, and basically teaching somebody to write grants after they were gone. It's a lot of money. Uh, Ninety thousand dollars to yeah. uh, learn to write uh, grants. Right. So, isn't there a probably a cheaper course on Google or something? Or they, well, YouTube. They, they did mention that several county employees are currently taking training mm-hmm. to, to to learn how to write grants. Uh, also, Commissioner Gohagen had mentioned there's this uh, Lake of the Ozarks Council of Local Governments, mm-hmm. and it's like an organization that's kind of trying to help governments with stuff like grant writing. So uh, Brian Jansen over there has met with the commission a couple times, and he's kind of, he's kind of new to it. I think he's the uh, the executive officer, the boss over there, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so Commissioner Gohagen was like, well, why don't we just use those guys instead of BKD? Because, frankly, they've had trouble getting BKD to even show up or answer the phone when they had questions about ARPA stuff. So, you know, why double down on a contract that you're not super happy with anyway? And instead, you know, you've got an organization that's local that's willing to do this kind of stuff for you. And so that was basically Gohagen's suggestion was that maybe they find out from Jansen how much it would cost for them to do it. Probably a smarter move in this particular instance. And and, and it's so uh, so astonishing that BKD is... is uh kind of uh, lagging in uh, terms of their their commitment well i mean they're a big accounting firm and i assume they've got customers that are we aren't the biggest customer they have i Mm -hmm. I assume they're doing this for a lot of larger municipalities and counties so maybe we're not exactly on the top for us two hundred thousand dollars seems like a lot but you know for a lot of these other i'm sure there's other government agencies that are paying quite a bit more than we are so we might be the the low dog on their list of, of who they're going to uh service Mm. So th- that seemed to be a good idea. People really seemed to be impressed with the answer. He's made a good impress- impression on the commissioners. They they seemed to really think he's doing a good job. So mm-hmm. they decided to table it, and hopefully in the future, maybe that's the way that the route they're going to take. We'll have to see, and uh, of course, I know you'll keep us posted on that. Yeah, I mean, he's already beating BKD 3-1 to one as far as coming to commission meetings. So they came <laughs> to one. He's been to at least two or three, so... The, uh, so that was tabled. The second agenda item was the radios for Sunrise Beach. 
the situation there's kind of similar to Lynn Creek's situation. They had come last week and basically asked for some ARPA money from the county to upgrade their radios because uh, sheriff's dispatch for Kennedy County is going to be going to digital, flipping the switch over to digital soon. Mm-hmm. And that means it's going to be very difficult for uh, agencies that don't have digital radios to communicate with their dispatch. So, and it's almost in the identical situation. So, you know, just like Lynn Creek, Sunrise Beach helps out the sheriff's office quite a bit on calls. Uh, you know, there's a lot of county area out there by Sunrise Beach. And the uh, town of Sunrise Beach itself is is pretty small. But, you know, they I think they've got, I think they said they have like around 428 people or something like that. But when they did a traffic count outside their city hall in January, in one day they had 9,600 cars drive past the city hall. So... Yeah. You know, they, they get a lot of traffic. That's always been uh, the topic here, especially in recent months. Uh, you know, things uh, are taking off all over the lake, and there looks to be uh, a lot of interest in the Sunrise Beach area as far as people moving into the area, building uh, homes there, businesses there, Sunrise Beach, Lori area, all, uh, you know, benefiting from uh, what we've been enjoying here at the Lake of the Ozarks. And so I guess uh, things are really starting to pop for those folks. And uh, as is the case, because you, you look at most of the um, police departments around the area, and uh, you would think that, you know, Osage Beach has got a sizable police department to Camdenton. Sunrise Beach, uh, what do they have, uh, three full-time? They've got a chief, a corporal, who was this gentleman, and I guess another officer. Right. So be kind of tough to be that third guy you've got two bosses in your department the other two guys you work with they, your low man on the totem pole <laughs> they're your bosses <laughs> yeah but yeah so they go to a lot of calls they they handle a lot of calls for the sheriff's office when the county cars are busy uh they back those officers up uh what i didn't know either that i was kind of surprised about is uh sunrise beach uses morgan county's dispatch they don't they don't use camden county dispatch huh. Because Camden County Dispatch, I guess, was too expensive for them to b- buy a, a piece of it. So, and, and it's not unusual. Usually, a lot of times when uh, you want to be part of an, another organization's dispatch, they'll sell you what we used to call like a slice of it. You know, So mm-hmm. if their dispatch costs them $2 million to run and you want to be part of it, they'll look at how much services, how many calls you're going to generate. And then they'll say maybe, okay, we're going to give you like a 5% slice of that. So you're going to have to pay us. 40,000 or 20,000 and you're not just paying you're paying for part of that dispatcher's salary you know benefits a part of the cost of running the dispatch center it's kind of a share the cost type thing if you're gonna if our calls are gonna go through your calls are gonna go through us then we're gonna make you pay a percentage of what we pay to run the dispatch I think Osage Beach and Lake Ozark are kind of in tandem like that as well they might be yeah I I know yeah I don't think Osage I think Osage Beach has its they I think they might run their own dispatch Mm -hmm. or something like that but you know and it's a shame because what what it means is if obviously Sunrise Beach is offering uh, operating off Morgan County's dispatch. Uh, that means you know there's going to be some delay there with information coming through because it's got to go over to Morgan County. Mm-hmm. And you know they might scan like they they can scan frequencies. A lot of these car radios where you can pick up other frequencies like when they get active. Um, but it's definitely better to have the same dispatch coming out like. If there's an incident, it'd be nice if Camden County could dispatch a Sunrise Beach car and a sheriff's car to go so the guys can back each other up on the call. Um, so, you know, for me, so when they're saying basically that Sun, that Camden County was too expensive, you know, it, it's kind of a, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you think the Camden County Sheriff's Office would want Sunrise Beach on their, on, on their dispatch network because you're basically getting like two, one or two free police cars that you don't have to pay for mm-hmm. that are now on your dispatch that can respond to calls. 
And that doesn't mean they're going to buy all the county calls that are in the area. They're going to still probably handle the city as a priority. But, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer to get them on your dispatch, just have some extra officers. It would definitely be nice knowing that you got some backup coming if if you run into a situation. I mean, no telling what uh, you're going to go to, but... uh, I would imagine uh, domestic that's already out of control can get even more out of control when somebody uh, shows up as far as law enforcement's concerned. Yeah, or you got a, a pursuit and the suspect that takes foot bail mm-hmm. and starts running around is out in the woods somewhere. Now you've got a perimeter set up with some Sunrise Beach police officers, some sheriff's officers, you know. Can they talk to each other with their portable radios? It's kind of tough when you're trying to communicate with a guy that's on the other side of a block from you and you, you guys don't have radios that can talk to each other talking on the cell phone trying to text mm. I, don't know, I don't know how you do it <laughs> yeah so so yeah it's, i think it's a good idea um it's it's it eventually got tabled uh they wanted fifty five thousand dollars i think for to upgrade their radio system um i i believe this might happen for them and you know i'd mentioned in the article too that they also got arpa money so uh, you know with their with their arpa money they they got something like a hundred and ten thousand dollars and uh, oh, I'm sorry. They wanted thirty-eight thousand six hundred dollars in ARPA money. How do one? It was Lynn Creek that had asked for fifty-five. So thirty thousand. Don't get Sunrise Beach. Don't call me up. I I, I just corrected myself. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So you know, I think they they got about one hundred ten thousand dollars in ARPA money. They ended up spending their ARPA money on uh, roads, sewer, and water. I think projects for them. But you know, there was a question too. It's like. Is it Camden County's responsibility to pay for the radios for everyone, you know, with their ARPA money? I mean, if there is a benefit for the county, then I think maybe that is a smart investment. Well, we've talked about that ARPA money. Yeah, nineteen million of it is is currently allocated out of the eight point nine million that they have. It's been promised. So there's going to be some hurt feelings, I think, at the end when yeah. they have to go through this list. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's definitely going to get people knocked off the Christmas list for the ARPA money. I think. Whoops. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, you know, and it was interesting. I hadn't heard a whole lot about how Sunrise Beach PD operated. So that was kind of a, I was kind of interested in that and it seems to make sense. So we'll see what the the commission ultimately decides. You go back to the ARPA money for just a second. And isn't there a process that you have to go through? Don't you have to submit a request? And then your request is either given a yay or a nay based on, you know, the importance that the county deems uh important uh, on your request so it, it kills me again how you you know you over uh over promise and under deliver yeah so i think the auditor is going to have to sit down with the commission and go through this list and kind of decide uh, i know last last show we mentioned the the roof on the courthouse needs to be fixed or replaced that's going to be significant maybe a million dollars somewhere around there mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to have to be paid for. So, yeah, that money can go pretty quickly once you start. I, I think uh, PSWD4, the sewer and water district over in uh, Horseshoe Bend, wanted $750,000 uh, because they've they already said that they're beyond capacity for Portishima. Is it Portishima or Portishima? Uh, you know, uh, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Yeah, I don't want to be too fancy. Like, Let's uh, call the whole thing off. Yeah, so yeah, so that those sewer districts, like the Racket Club and uh, the one over on Portosima, they're going to have to be upgraded significantly. They're already The one in Portosima is already beyond capacity, and we talked about the Racket Club one, which is past capacity on rainy days during the summer when everyone is not on their boats and they have to flush their toilets all at the same time. <laughs> so Three, two, one, flush! Yeah. <laughs> they'll staggered like if you live on terry road you can only flush your toilet between the hours of 1 and 2 p.m. 
So, uh, yeah, so th- those are projects that I think the commission was thought was important. Uh, the other thing to consider, though, is, you know, uh, PWSD4 is not run by the county. Right. I mean, they're their own utility companies. So do you want to get in the hat? But the, the other thing was they also had a deal where they were going to get $750,000 in matching DNR money. So you were getting more bang for your buck by giving them that. But the advantage for Camden County doing the other sewer districts like Sunny Slope and Camelot is they own those districts. Those are Camden County districts. So uh, they run those as opposed to PWSD4, which is not really operated by the county. So so that was that. There you go. Yeah. So uh, so that, that meeting was interesting. I went to the Horseshoe Bend Road District meeting. Yeah. And that's always a fun one. I always enjoy going to that. Very friendly. Uh, they asked me if I have anything I'd like to add. Like, I appreciate that. Um, and I did get some information about how, I know there's always questions about with uh, Horseshoe Bend, how the uh, deputies are deployed out there. People mm-hmm. always want to know how many deputies we're paying all this money. We're paying, you know, they're paying something like two hundred and twenty, two hundred forty thousand dollars $240,000 a year extra for their deployment of deputies out there. Uh, they've got the... The speed signs up. Mm-hmm. If you're coming into Horseshoe Bend, you're going to see that one that flashes and lets you know, hey, you're driving too fast. And it gives the, the blue and red lights flashes for you. Uh, but yeah, so basically the way it works out there now is uh, they've, they've got, I think they've got three or four deputies, and then they've got a, super, they, I think they've got three deputies, a supervisor, and then a lieutenant assigned out there. So generally, uh, there's always going to be one or two deputies that are patrolling Horseshoe Bend. Uh, they, there's like a day shift, a swing shift, and a, and a night shift, basically. And they're working 12-hour shifts. So there is an overlap. So if you're there, bad guys are in there around 7, 8 p.m., there's probably going to be two deputies and a supervisor minimum. Uh, they deploy heavier on weekends. Uh, the lieutenant there doesn't play around. So when it comes to weekends, guess what, folks? You're police officers. You, you didn't realize you're going to work weekends. <laughs> you're in the wrong job. So so they do have they do tend to have heavy deployment on weekends. Uh, the Shady Gators detail uh, generally is two deputies on normal weekends and up to four deputies on the holiday weekends. And, you know, it's good overtime for the deputies. Uh, they're making a, a significant uh bump and pay for working that shift. And I think they sign up for it. Basically guys will sign up or gals will sign up and they get assigned to it. Uh, they're outside the, 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 the bar club, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, they're out in the parking lot. And in the end it ends up being a benefit because one, it's a deterrent. Uh, when people see the deputies out there, when they're going into the club, they're kind of like, okay, let's. Well, it's a, uh, it, 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 you've got the shady gators, which is more your bar restaurant. And then you've got lazy gators, which is outdoor bar, you know, pool, uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, one of the six of one half dozen of another. Yeah. And so they're out there, they're, they're out in the parking lots. They, they haven't in, in the past had cars get broken into out in the parking lots. Definitely having the deputies out in the parking lot and driving around is going to, uh, make that less likely to happen. And so in the end, it's, it, it kind of makes sense even for the sheriff's office, because if you didn't have those deputies out there, like during the weekends, the holiday weekends, that's where you're getting a lot of your activity for calls is going to be out in those areas. Mm-hmm. And now you've already got those deputies out there so they can handle those calls. Otherwise, the regular patrol guys would constantly be having to respond back to shady gators in that location all the time because, you know, there might be a fight or something like that going on or a drunk driver. Now you've got the deputies on scene out there so they can just handle all that stuff. Which makes sense. Yeah, and so then then your other deputies who are assigned to patrol can just handle all the other calls in Horseshoe Bend. They're not constantly getting pulled back to bittersweet. You know, we focus a lot on uh, shady gators and lazy gators, but I wonder if there are any other bars, restaurants on the water that that have uh, that situation where they utilize 
either the county or uh, anybody who's uh, maybe a city cop and isn't working on the weekend and would like to come out there. I don't know of any other establishment that does. I'm sure they all have security. There are, uh, with the, I think the sheriff's policy mm-hmm. is that if you want to do outside employment like that, you have to basically submit a request. You know, there's a form where you submit a request in writing and then mm-hmm. they'll approve it. So, and it's a good idea just so that they have an idea where their guys are working off duty. Like you might not want to have deputies working off duty at security at a strip club or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of pick and choose where you're deputies are going to be assigned or if there's a problem location you've had for criminal activity like the owner has criminal activity you might not want to have a deputy working for that guy off duty you know as a you know conflict of interest or if there's vice problems at a at a place Uh, so yeah they do have that policy so i'm sure there are deputies that are working at certain locations off duty Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're uniformed or whether they're plain clothes you know that's a different story Uh, but yeah so in this case I think it. I think it's working pretty well. The reason I think Shady Gators gets a lot of focus is it's right next to some residential areas. I mean, it's kind of like it's you know it's kind of its own little enclave in, in the middle of. First of all, residential areas, and then Horseshoe Bend, which is also the the, the strictest of the residential areas. So there is kind of a conflict of values there. I think as far as people who live in Horseshoe Bend have a certain idea well, of how they want to live <laughs> there's uh, there's been a lot of back and forth with the uh with the folks that live around that uh, area and i i think some places try to appease people that live you know they'll give them like a discount if they live in the neighborhood oh, okay or uh i've heard of uh places throwing you know like a just a special little party for the the neighbors around. like a neighborhood appreciation party <laughs> yeah, yeah like Thank God for putting up for us for you know putting up with us for another year. That's the old trick of inviting all your neighbors to your party so they won't call the police if, if it gets too loud. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Yeah, so that so that's the thing. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it, though. The fact that uh, it is in Horseshoe Bend, and Horseshoe Bend is kind of notorious for being having a lot of restrictions and rules. And then when you have a you know kind of a very active club atmosphere at the end of it, that can create some friction. So yeah, even for the ownership there, I think it's smart for them to to do that deal with the deputies and try to, you know, shows they're trying to keep control of the zombie walk and all the other things that happen out there, you know, to, that the neighbors get all upset about. Well, it's uh, one thing to, you know, see some people having a good time and maybe hearing a little bit about it. It's another thing to wake up in the morning and have somebody passed out in your front yard. Yeah. It is uh, 930. Dave, let's step aside. We'll take a quick information break. Stacy Johnson with, of course, LakeExpo.com and Chris Schneider with Lake TV. News and sports on The Daily Show right here on Key Radio. Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, May 13th. Lake of the Ozarks may be done with winter weather, but severe forecasts are still in the cards. Today's expected to see temperatures in the mid-80s to low 90s, with a chance of severe storms later in the day. Forecasters say the lake area is only at a slight risk of seeing severe storms, but if they move into the area, we could see quarter-sized hail, damaging wind gusts of more than 60 miles per hour, and the risk of localized flooding. And a welcome update for many Lake of the Ozarks residents. Construction on the Lake Ozark Aldi has finally begun. 
The news of construction was announced on the City of Lake Ozark's Facebook page, and with cold weather and spring rains behind us, construction is expected to continue at a quick pace. The exact open date for the new store is unknown, but representatives for Aldi say they expect the Lake Ozark store to open this year. Authorities are advising citizens to avoid an active landslide on Wilbus Drive in Sunrise Beach. The landslide was reported by a resident in the area who was concerned about cracking they observed on an asphalt road. It was determined the cracking was caused by an active landslide in an area that sets above two duplexes. Sunrise Beach Fire Protection District is monitoring the slide. Although the road is still open to the public, it's recommended that people stay out of the area if possible. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible through a generous donation from Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about the very incredible and popular wall art you'll find at Victoria Station. We've always been known for our wall arts. Um, we have a large selection of both metal art and framed art canvas prints in traditional and in uh, the nautical themes and so we're a destination for wall art we're also known for a large variety of lamps we like cool unique lamps that'll give give lighting in your living area not just a utility lampshade there that's producing light but to add the decorative features to that um, we are going to feature a section in the store of american-made products some of those are locally sourced and some of those from the midwest and we're we're really excited to be able to do that. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit. And the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. How about those St. Louis Blues? They win their first round playoff series in six games, beating Minnesota last night to put the Wild away. The Blues winning the final two games of the series to advance. Next up for the Blues, number one seed Colorado in the next round. That is going to be a tough one as well. As for uh, college softball, the uh, Mizzou ladies and MSU ladies into the conference tournament. The Mizzou ladies with a big upset win over the second seed Alabama yesterday. So they will play again this afternoon in the semifinal round against Tennessee. The Mizzou ladies are 35-19 and 19 on the season now. As for the MSU Lady Bears, they're 25-18. and 18. They will play in the Valley Tournament semifinals this afternoon. That game gets started about 1.30 in Springfield. Mizzou Baseball, 25-20 and 20 on the season. They've got a three-game series at home against Florida this weekend. MSU Bears, 22-23. and 23. They've got a three-game series at home this weekend against against Illinois State. As for the big boys, Cardinals and Royals busy today. The Cardinals open up a series at home against the Giants, and the Royals open up a series on the road against Colorado. Hey, believe it or not, NFL is gearing up for the new season. The draft is in the books. Now they're getting ready for the OTAs, the organized team activities. Those are what they call the off-season workouts in the NFL. So the first workouts for the Chiefs will be 
on May 25th and 26th. So that's coming up here uh, in not too long a time. Hey, remember, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. And don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour almost every hour. He's freaking hilarious. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and fobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock serving the entire lake area. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting the Key with your monthly donation. Business, government, history, religion, entertainment, and much more on 89.3 The Key. Hey, 937, welcome back. It is the final uh, 23 minutes of the Friday edition. And so far, so good. It is Friday the 13th, but I, I think a lot of that is psychological. I think if you worry too much that, you know, you're going to break a mirror or uh, walk under a ladder or a black cat is going to cross your path, it'll happen. Or something, you know, if, if it's something that goes wrong, oh, it was all based on Friday the 13th. Sure. Maybe it was, but it probably wasn't. It I, was. I hadn't even noticed it. Now, thanks for making me aware of that. I was not aware it was Friday the 13th. People who fear Friday the 13th, I believe it's called trichodecophobia. Yeah. Something like that. I wonder how that all gets started. Yeah, well, you know, people that are fear, uh, afraid of spiders, arachnophobia, you know, people that are, yeah, but people spider, are afraid of everything. A spider could kill you. Like, I get the spider, like our yeah. snakes. Like, I understand. Like, I'm not really afraid of snakes. I just don't want to get bit by a venomous snake, yeah. and I can't tell the difference. Yeah, so. and thank you for using the right terminology. It's <laughs> venomous, not poisonous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people will always be like, oh, no, no, that's a water snake, because if you get close, you can look and you can see that. I, mean, I don't want to get that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I can tell what shape its head is, I'm already too close to the yeah, snake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you see one, maybe you go over, you know, look at it from uh, 8, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 feet away. Right. So you've got a chance to, you know, if the thing starts coming your way, you've got a, a, an exit strategy. 
Well, yeah, you don't want to get him. Oh, let's pick up this stick and go poke him. Yeah, and I guess the uh, the idea, I guess, sucking the venom out is not a good idea. That was always the legend. I don't think you're actually supposed to do that. Anymore. I remember they taught us that you're, if you're ever bit by a venomous snake, you know, you cut the little slits in and then you suck out the poison. But no, nah, that seems like you're just drinking the poison at that point. Like, uh, why don't we just put a tourniquet on it for now <laughs> yeah. and hope that the EMTs get here in time That's so right. that you don't lose a limb? Yeah, then you then you question, did I vote for that EMT bond or not? Like, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> remember when I thought that was a waste of money for ambulance response? Right. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm not yeah, I'm not down with the snake thing. They, they, they hear the address and go, oh, he voted no. That's right. That's right. He's <laughs> we not might as well take list. our time. <laughs> He's, on He's on the do not call list. Okay. Go ahead, turn off the lights and siren. We'll just, yeah. and, 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 oh, look, we're passing by McDonald's. I'm hungry. <laughs> Stop for a soda. Get a big gulp on the way. That's bad when the, the ambulance guys show up and they each have big gulps. <laughs> You're like, oh, we would have been here sooner, but I was thirsty. Oh, traffic was terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> Don't you have lights in the siren? Yeah, but we didn't turn them on. Yeah, we don't want, it's Four Seasons. We don't want to annoy people. We, uh, <laughs> we don't yeah. want to disturb them. <laughs> yeah, there's a noise ordinance in, in our town. Yeah, we were speeding down HH, and then we saw that speed sign, so we had to slow down. Oops. 45. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we talked about the Vicky White, Casey oh, White thing, man. right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we should wrap that one up. Here's, here's the problem with all of this. That guy was six foot nine. If you're going to stand out in a crowd, that's one of the ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to go too many places where people see him and go, oh, yeah, he doesn't look at all like the guy that's escaped from jail. Well, they had some story, too. Like, they were saying, oh, he, she might be pushing him around in a wheelchair, you uh -huh. know, so that that way. The, I was like, is that actually a thing, or did they just, like, was that something the marshals just thought up for a way they would disguise his height, you know? Because I don't think, it sounds like they just drove and basically were in a motel room and just, they mm -hmm. didn't really get that far away, really. Uh, they went through like two or three states. Yeah. I mean, there's basically like a one day drive, you know, to get up there. Um, but yeah, so it, it didn't end well. Uh, they keep saying like she gave him special treatment and everything, but the only thing I've actually heard is she gave him extra food. That was mm -hmm. like the whole thing. So Fox will do a news article, like update, you know, read about the special treatment that's in, then you see like one sentence that says she gave him extra food. And then like, it's the whole story rehashed again that we've all seen 5,000 times. So, and they, and, and, and to back it up, they show like a, a prison tray and instead of one sandwich, he has two. That's right. He got an extra burrito, jail burrito. <laughs> yeah. And they had a picture of him with his shirt off. I mean, he's a big guy, but I was like, man, you need to do some push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a flattering, it was not a flattering picture at all. So, yeah, so they, I guess they caught them, mm -hmm. and uh, they were driving, and they, the marshals at that point, I think, were like, yeah, we're not playing around with these people. You know, we're just going to pit them, hit them with our cars, and dump them in the ditch. And then, I guess, in the end, she just killed herself. Yeah, she shot, yeah. I, I, did she shoot herself? She or? shot herself, yeah. apparently. And, and you know, it's kind of one of those things where, like, yeah, we got, you know, again, typical criminal. He's like, she's like, yeah, so we've got this end game we're going to plan where we're going to shoot it out. And He just gave up. Like, he, he didn't go with the end game at all. Yeah, like, no. We're going to go out like Bonnie and Clyde. And he's like, nope, I'm just nah, going to surrender. So. <laughs> no. You know, you're nice and everything. Thanks for getting me out of jail for a quick little vacay. Yeah, I just wonder with her, maybe it was like, you know, you wonder what her mindset was to have done it in the first place, given up her career, sold her house for this guy. And then in the end, it's like she had this whole fantasy life that it was going to be. And maybe realizing it was all over, that was just the only thing she thought she could do was. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, maybe also she didn't want to go to jail because she knew that jail's not fun. 
and that normally you're only allowed one jail burrito for breakfast. <laughs> she was not going to get the extra special treatment from anybody. So she being being in law enforcement and, and, and being a corrections officer, she'd probably get half a burrito. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was This is what you get for doing what you did. It was a bizarre ending, but I don't think anybody was too surprised about the way it all finished up. And they went they, they found him in Indiana of all places. Right. Now if you escape from jail where would you go? I'd want to go someplace, you know, nice and sun but I'll pick a resort area. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Indiana, too, is like, it's basically like a southern state in the north. Like, when you hear people from Indiana talking, yeah. they talk, they have a really strong southern accent. It's well, kind of because you're close to West Virginia. Yeah, Kentucky. They're, <laughs> I'm no geography expert, but they're somewhere over there. Yeah. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't A students, kids. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was kind of, I guess it's a sad ending, but I mean, you know, I guess she took the ending that she thought was going to be best for her. She wasn't willing to go to jail for him, so that was going to be that. Maybe she had a death wish anyway, so she just uh, figured uh, this is the way I'll go. Yeah. So now he just goes back to jail, his normal lifestyle. Yeah. I'm sure he's not impacted at all by the whole thing. So uh, They might add a little bit more time to his sentence for, what was he in, for murder? Yeah. He, well, I think he was, I think he was in for... Uh, a shooting incident and then he confessed to a murder oh. so i think he was in jail to go to trial on the murder mm -hmm. and then now yeah he's never getting out yeah until he meets that next special corrections officer that he can i mean what are they going to do now like you know like they're not assigning any female officers to watch <laughs> this guy <laughs> they're like that's it <laughs> well what did you say though if uh, if a prisoner can befriend a corrections officer, that's uh, that's where the trouble starts. Yeah, that's that is because yeah, they you give them an inch and they start just taking more and more and more. And right. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough path. But yeah, so sad. But uh, it's at least he's in custody. Nobody else got hurt, so that's good news. I mean, no other victims or nobody got killed in a crash. Mm -hmm. He didn't because he's straight up killer. I mean, he would have probably killed other people to get out if he could have, but he knew there was no chance of surviving. So. You know, again, criminal cares only about himself, so not no surprises there. So uh, I do have some police stuff, KB, if you want to talk oh, about man, stuff. let's do it, yeah. I know. Yeah. I've been making a list up, and this list is uh, what I would call uh, 20 things my training officers taught me when I was a young police officer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my I'd, I had a bunch of different training officers. One was Buffet, uh, the, the big guy from the Buffet story. Uh, and but I'd like probably like four or five like veteran training officers in in LAPD that taught me stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of just I always kind of think about some of the things they told me. So I kind of made up a list. Um, first one, and this is important for any patrol officer, is if you're going to take a burglary report or anything like that, make sure you canvass the area and talk to the neighbors, right? So I had one once where. Um, you know, I went out, we took a burglary report, I came back to the station, my watch commander, I went to turn the report into him, and he said, he read it, and he said, did you talk to any of the neighbors or anything? I was like, no. He ripped the report up right in front of me, and sent me back out, <laughs> to take a new report. What? So I went, and then there was like a couple houses, so I was, and I'm mad, so I'm like, but I'm like, okay, fine, so I went out, and sure enough, like the second house, I went and knocked on the door, there was like an old guy there. And he had seen like the people in the car who like who had burglarized the house, like because one of the things I learned later on as a detective is older people are like the best witnesses right. ever because they wake up super early, they don't always sleep well at night, 
and they're really nosy about what's going on in their neighborhood. Like they're, a lot of times they're just watching out the windows and stuff. You're looking at that guy. Yeah, that's right. I'm <laughs> that guy too, bro. Like I know everything that's going on in my neighborhood. But they're great. I, I had some cases where I was looking at a residence maybe for like narcotics activity or mm-hmm. something, and I would just give them my card, and then they would call me and give me updates on all the cars that had gone by there and parked. It got to where I was almost like, okay, you're being very helpful, but maybe too helpful at this point. Like mm-hmm. I don't need this much detail about what's going on. So that was a good thing I learned there. Like. Too often, I think patrol guys, officers will just go, take the report, and then they're out of there. And so then the detective gets the report, and there's, yeah, someone broke in, but there's no follow-up. You didn't go talk to anybody else. And so now the detective, is he going to go out there and do all that? Probably not. So then that burglary report becomes basically like unsolved. And whereas you could have gone and talked to some neighbors and maybe got more information. And then now suddenly you have something that can be followed up on by detectives, and they might actually arrest the guy. Because the other part of burglars is every burglar will swear to you that this is the first time that you caught them the first time they burglarized somebody's house. The truth is, if you arrest a burglar, you probably just solved about 100 burglaries because <laughs> they are prolific. <laughs> like It's what they do. Uh, and so and a lot of times they're doing it so they can make money to buy drugs. Right. Well, sure. Like that. And that's why when people always talk what about happened here, when people always talk about legalizing drugs. Mm-hmm. It's always the, the, the problem with it is one is, yeah, drugs are really addictive. So if you make it legal. Uh, people will get have more access to drugs, and you're, they're more likely to become addicted to drugs. But the problem is that drugs aren't free. So once you're a drug addict, you really can't get a job. You can't hold down a job because you're addicted to the drugs. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to get more drugs? So unless the government is also going to give people free drugs, their only alternative is to basically go out, commit and property done crimes. it before. Yeah, they're, they're going to commit property crimes to pay for the legal drugs. That I mean, the government them. giving away drugs <laughs> for free. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw that crack pipe story. <laughs> that was another one. They're giving people crack pipes. That's great. Yeah, uh, another thing I learned is if you stop someone on a traffic stop and they tell you that the jacket they're wearing is not their jacket mm-hmm. or that the jeans they're wearing are not their jeans you should immediately try to search that jacket or jeans because there's a highly it's highly probable there's going to be some some drugs or something in those jeans it's usually not the first thing that i i mention mm-hmm. uh, to someone when i i'm stopped i'm like oh be officer before we you know me you might be like hey i have a gun in the car you know i've i've a concealed weapons permit mm-hmm. you wouldn't be like before you do anything i just want to let you know this is not my jacket that i'm wearing right now mm-hmm. so that's that's one of the issues i have a tendency to do that I, I go over to people's homes i don't even know and borrow their clothes yeah exactly <laughs> yes yeah, so uh so yeah that's definitely something you would want to search uh because yeah it's a little suspicious the other thing that's always interesting is uh sometimes you'll be like we'd be at a, a call late night at a hotel or something you you've got a bunch of suspects maybe it's a narcotics call in a motel room mm-hmm. and you will like ask someone a question this is a you know, a, a dope head or a crack addict or something. And you ask them a question. They'll, they'll start it off like, to the best of my knowledge. I'm, I'm like, really? Have you used, you used to the best of my knowledge a lot? Like, that's a very strange way to say To the best of my knowledge, I don't know that there's any drugs here. Like, it's like a great non-committal statement, but mm-hmm. you don't hear a lot. <laughs> this is true. Uh, one thing that I learned is uh, when you search for a gun, mm-hmm you better be looking for a gun. Like a lot of officers will pat down someone or search someone and they're kind of going through the motions of patting them down. 
if you're not actively looking for a gun, you, you might not find that gun. So you need to really be focused on what you're doing. I had a guy who was a gangster, and uh, I stopped him once or twice when I was on patrol. And, you know, whenever I would stop him and pat him down, he would always give me a lot of trouble about it. Like, any time I was, especially patting him down around the crotch area, mm -hmm. you know, he would, like, start making comments like, oh, yeah, you like that? What are you doing? And so there's a tendency to not search it as well because the guy's giving you a hard time. Third time I stopped him. Mm -hmm. I actually searched, and behind his belt buckle, he had a gun tucked in his belt buckle. Mm -hmm. And so then I handcuffed him and everything. But it made me wonder, like, because it's weird because I would search over the belt buckle, and because the gun was behind the belt buckle, I, I hadn't noticed it at first. And uh, I thought, those two other times I searched him, did I really do a good search on that belt buckle? Because you start to think, like, he might have had a gun all three of those times I stopped him. Mm -hmm. And this is important. And he probably did. He probably did. And so it's important because, especially if you're going to hand that person off to another officer, this is something else that happens all the time. Uh, one guy will stop a guy, pat him down. Another unit will show up, and then they'll say, hey, can I put this guy in your car? And you'll be like, did you pat him down? And, and sometimes officers say, I did, but you might want to just pat him down to be sure. Mm -hmm. Wrong answer. You do not give a guy to another officer or a suspect to another officer unless you are 100% positive he is not armed. Because I don't know if you've seen this video. There's video of an, of an interrogation. I think it was San Bernardino County out in California. And it's, it's the interview room. And the detective's talking to the suspect. And he leaves. And the, uh, basically the suspect had been arrested. There was a call of shots fired in the area. Uh, a CHP officer had arrested him and then transferred him over to a San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy who then transported him back to the station. Everyone assumed that everyone else had patted this guy down. So the deputy assumed the CHP guy had patted him down. The detectives, when they got him from the deputy, assumed the deputy had patted him down. While this guy's sitting in the interview room, he pulls out a big forty-five and shoots himself right in the head on on tape. What? And so the detective runs back in and is like, oh, my God. And, yeah, he's upset that there's loss of life. But mm -hmm. also now the amount of paperwork that's going to be required in this case is just, like, increased incredibly. And also worried, like, a lot of times when uh, detectives, some detectives don't go in armed, you know, uh, because they don't want to, if you don't want the guy taking your gun or right, if it's sure. a jail situation. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that detective is basically like, man, I was sitting in this small room with this guy talking to him for like 15 minutes, and it turns out he had this gun the whole time. You know, so it's kind of a, you know, it's a wake-up call for the detective. So that's when we're talking about searching people and handing off people to another officer. Yeah, if you ever say that to someone, yeah, I think, I don't, I pat him down, but why don't you pat him down just to be sure? That's the wrong answer. You should never tell that to another officer. Uh, one important thing uh, that I always learned was, Kind of this is this is something that I think applies to any officers and just a lot of people in general. But treat people the way you would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the best skills as a police officer is actually being able to talk to people. The best cops are good at talking to people. Um, and just think, like, even if someone committed a crime, like, how would you want to be treated if you had committed that crime? Like, you know, it's not like too many officers I think can enjoy the position of power they're in and treat people badly. I, mm -hmm. I've, I've had situations where I treated people pretty well when I arrested them. And as a result, later on down the road, uh, I was able to get information from that guy or that guy was able to warn me about something that was going to happen. Uh, was, I would think it would be much easier for uh, if you come, you don't come in, <clears throat> you know, like a house of fire, you come in, you know, a little bit more laid back, a little more low key. 
And that's when they would slip up, when they would say something, because now they feel comfortable. Yeah. And they're not thinking about, well, I don't want to tell them that I've got a gun, or I don't want to tell them about the drugs, or... You know, they, they don't come at you with, hey, this is, first, let me tell you, this is not my coat. That's right. This, it's not and, my baseball cap. And you kind of lull them into a false sense of security there a little bit, and, uh, you know, they slip up. They say something, and then you catch them, and then you go back and say, well, didn't you just tell me this? And and then, oop, whoops. Now, and, and some of them are straight psychos. Yeah. Some suspects are just homicidal maniacs, you know, but, but generally, most people that are in trouble are not necessarily terrible people they've mm-hmm. just made mistakes and you know that i had one where um the guy was uh basically raising he was at a boarding house and he was raising a lot of hell so they wanted me to come out there and and basically investigate it and when i opened the door he threw a gigantic coffee cup full of coffee on me like mm-hmm. i banged on the door and he he opened it and then he threw this thing and he got coffee all over me it was like a big huge cup and this was like a brand new uniform oh. and it was supposed to last me at least a two days probably mm-hmm. i was hoping all dry cleaned so i was like oh no so i put out backup and i kicked his door in and uh, you know it was, it was like a hotel room kind of and uh i pepper sprayed him mm-hmm. like crazy and then finally he gave up and i handcuffed him but by the time we were done when i had him at the hospital my sergeant met me over there because he's got to get checked out because of the oc spray and mm-hmm. get cleared to book he was like apologizing to my sergeant like i'm so sorry i should never have done it and Apologizing so, the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pepper spray involved. Oh well, I mean, pepper spray never affected me, so I was never. The, I always thought officers made a mistake with pepper spray, where they would say like, "Pepper spray, I'm going to pepper spray you," and I'm like, "Why would you do that?" Because now the guy can like, uh, he can blink or like close his eyes. I was the sneaky guy who would come in from the side, mm-hmm. and while you were talking to my partner, I would then just blast you with pepper spray right in your eyes, so you didn't have a chance to close your eyes or avoid it. Very effective tool. I always liked it. And it didn't bother me, like I said. So I would, could then go in and just... The Inside Scoop with Dave Moppin. Yeah, it's a tip. Don't warn them before you pepper spray Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can't pepper spray them unless they're doing something that, that that would... You can't just walk up and surprise them that way. I mean, but if they're being combative or resistive or something, that's, that's when you would normally do it. Uh, this is one that's really good, and this is an issue, especially here in Missouri, is uh, wear your seatbelt. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised being out here... A lot of people don't wear seatbelts, but when you look at the numbers, it's something like out of all the traffic fatalities in Missouri, like 80% of them are are people who weren't Mm seatbelted. And when you get into an accident, you're like, you're going to go through that windshield. You're going to get ejected from the car. Uh, But then you have officers. I ran into a lot of officers who didn't wear their seatbelts. Probably because they thought they it, it's faster to get out of the car without having to stop to un, uh, undo your seatbelt. The excuse is the tactics approach, right? That, mm-hmm. Now, but I always train my guys, when you go code six at the scene, like you're a block or two away, you don't drive up usually to a scene with your lights and sirens blaring. Like a block or two away, you usually shut down the lights, put yourself out on the radio, and so when you get on scene, you can, you can basically handle the situation. You don't want to pull right up to the suspect's house and then be trying to broadcast on the radio that you just arrived. So you usually do that a block or two away. I used to tell them, as that same part of the procedure, take your seatbelt, take your seatbelt off. Mm-hmm. You know, put yourself out to the call, take your seatbelt off, shut off your lights, and then roll in. Because when you actually look at the numbers, a lot of officers get killed in traffic collisions. And a lot of those officers, again, were not wearing their seatbelts. So... So it's something to consider. I think, it's, right. but even you, you see it out here. I'm sure there's officers. Also, it's, there's there is an aspect of it to how are you going to write tickets for people not wearing their seatbelts when you're not wearing your seatbelt? Lead by example. Right. So, let's see. There's some other ones. Here's one I had. 
being a big guy is useful mm -hmm. until someone starts shooting at you. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I hide? <laughs> That's right. Then the little guy's got the advantage. <laughs> you just hide behind the big guy. Oh, here's a good one too. Uh, don't be afraid to request backup. Mm -hmm. So, especially with, you see this with younger officers, uh, they don't want other guys on their shift to think that they can't handle themselves. Mm -hmm. So they'll go out to a call or they'll make a stop where there's a lot of people in the car and they won't request backup because they, other officers might get there and be like, you can't handle this. Like, man, it, it never hurts to have backup. So, and it, it tends to be, like I said, a more of a rookie officer mistake that they won't ask for backup because they're worried the guys will make fun of them because they didn't need it. But you know, we had a search warrant out in California where the, the detective did a search warrant and brought like a lot of tactical guys there. And then uh, it ended up being a, not kind of a nothing. There were no guns in the house and everything. So the tactical guys made fun of that detective for doing that. Like mm -hmm. kind of like, oh yeah, it's a great call. You wasted our time. So then when there was another case that detective was investigating, he did not request tactical, even mm -hmm. though there was some evidence that the guy might have been armed, that there was a kind of like a random shooting into inhabited dwellings part of it. It was also an arson case. So they went and did entry on the, the trailer where the guy was, and the first guy to knock on the door got shot right through the door, and it was this detective. Mm. So he hadn't done a tactical plan, hadn't requested tactical, again, partly because the guys had given him such a ribbing the last time he did it that he didn't want to get made fun of. Became a psychological issue. Will, will they make fun of me again, or is it, is it like the boy who cried wolf? We are, uh, unfortunately, folks, because I'm digging this. This is great stuff. <laughs> I, love, I love when Dave talks cop talk. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, get together with Dave Moppin next Friday. Check out his blog, Among the Dogwoods. You can uh, go and search it out and sign up for it, and you will receive it in your email. Or I guess however you'd like. He doesn't do paper. He's not going to mail you a copy of the you blog. You print it out, I guess. Yeah, well, you can print it out, sure. <laughs> I guess so. Thank you, Dave. As always, yeah, great stuff. Really, really great stuff. Folks, have an awesome day, a great weekend, and you and I will get together and do this thing Monday morning, 8 a.m. We're going to be talking with Jeff Hooker from the city of Camdenton. Also, Dave.